Nations, good morning. Are you guys excited about the scriptures? The scriptures are the straw through which we drink the word of God. The scriptures are the means by which we hear. They are the receptors, if you will, for the divine life. The scripture tells us about itself that all scripture is breathed out by God. Breathed out by God. And that breathing out you receive, it's like Adam in the garden when he's laying there lifeless, God breathes life into him. So many times in my life there's been lifeless parts of me that I need the word of God to breathe life into me, make me alive again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So let's look at the scriptures. What do you say? And let the word of God bring us to life this morning. We live by the bread of life. Turn to James chapter 1. I was reading uh, Basil, the church father, the other day, and he said that the scriptures are an apothecary having its panpharmacon, meaning he has a, a medicine for every one of your diseases. If you find a disease inside you, you can find a remedy in the scriptures. <laughs> Praise God. So I want to talk to you today from James chapter 1 about experiencing Christ as all. Can you say that with me? Can you say experiencing Christ as all? So James chapter 1 starts in, let's look at verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces Endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. Let's jump down to verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who Love him. So I'm speaking to you about loving Jesus and what it actually is. I will touch on three points. I want to talk to you about what does it mean to experience Christ as all? Number two, how do we experience Christ as all? And number three, what is the secret to experiencing Christ as all? Just reading through this passage, it kind of makes your eyebrow raise a little bit because you think about your life and you think about the trials you've been through and tribulations and difficulties of various kinds, as the scripture says, and you say, how am I supposed to have joy in the trial? How do I smile in the face of trial? Either James is encouraging us to be insane or he knows something. And I'm gonna go with the latter, he knows something. He knows something that if we will know it and believe it and recognize it, it will make us look insane to the rest of the world. Trials are coming. Did you know? <laughs> if you're not in a trial, you, you probably are about to go through a trial. If you're in a trial, when that one's over, there will be another one. It's just how things go. Jesus told us there will be trial in this life. Just because we're in a fallen world, we will face trials of many kinds. Is that not true? But on top of this, we have the, the promise or the, uh, 
the prophecy, if you will, from God in Hebrews that their God disciplines his sons, the ones that he loves. God disciplines. So you have the trials of life and you have God disciplining all of us because he loves us. How many of you have seen God discipline you in some way? He sends sometimes a person. <laughs> a person tailor-made to prune you. Sometimes he sends a circumstance perfect to prune you. <laughs> sometimes he sends conditions or situations all with this perfect shape to rub off your specific rough edges. Is it not true? I've seen this and I'm continually seeing it and I'll probably see this consistently until I'm gone, you as well. He's trying to get rid of the unnecessary things in our hearts that interfere with the fullness of life in him. You hear that? He's trying to remove those things that interfere with the fullness of life in him. In other words, he wants you to have greater joy than you already have. He wants you to have greater peace than you already have, a greater fulfillment, a greater satisfaction in him than you already have. How? By pruning, cutting stuff that you didn't even recognize was inhibiting the flow of divine life into you. He's exposing all the time in my life, it's probably the same for you, other dependencies. He keeps showing me other dependencies. I remember reading C.S. Lewis. He says, if you put a God in front of God, he'll, God will step back and let you see that that God cannot deliver you. <laughs> he exposes other dependencies to bring us into a life fruit bearing dependency upon God. The scripture says, when you encounter various trials, not after they're done, not before they come, but in the moment it arrives at your doorstep, you can grin with joy and say, it's here. You say, Eric, how could I ever smile in the face of a trial like that? It's not because we're crazy. It's because we know something. What is it that we know? Well, whatever this knowing is, it is so transformative that neither people or circumstances or difficulties or persecutions or being misunderstood or hated or loss or tragedy can remove the joy of this knowing. You say, what is this knowing then? What is this revelation that's gonna transform, transform me into this person that sees joy in trial? Well, it is this knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So you say, what is the testing of your faith? Well, just to make it real simple, testing of your faith is pressure on your trust in God. It's, it's simple. It's just your trust in God being pressed against. How many of you have seen this? How many are in this? How many times have you seen it in various, maybe you really trust God in this area, but this area is getting pressed upon. That's called the trial of your trust in God. There's a pressure. This is the nature of trials. They press upon your trust in God. Are you in something where you have to trust God? Well, that in and of itself is a trial of your faith. And so these testings of our faith produce endurance. So when we come face to face with something that challenges us, it produces in us endurance. And let me explain endurance to you. I looked into the Greek word and tried to make it as simple as possible. And it really has to do with remaining abandoned to God. 
So what is endurance? Endurance is remaining abandoned to God. So the pressure against your faith is trying to push you out of that place of abandonment to God. These things that are happening to you and will happen to you and are about to happen to you are all winds that blast against your abandonment to God. And it's coming, and it's here, and it will come, and it has come. So many things are happening, and many things will happen to get us to take our lives back unto ourselves. That's the essence of it, to take our lives back unto ourselves. What does it look like when you take your life back unto yourself? Well, you hold on to a fence. You hold on to a fence with a person. You hold on to a fence with God. You hold on to anger or you move into haste or you lean into self-trust or trusting someone or something else. Basically, you turn from abandonment to God. That's what it looks like when we take our lives back onto ourselves. But abandonment to God is that endurance. To remain abandoned to God when the wind blows, that is endurance. And that is beautiful. Even if we don't understand what's going on, I remember reading Gene Edwards in his famous book, The Prisoner in the Third Cell, talking about when John the Baptist thinks Jesus is going to you know, reign on the earth and he's in jail and he's like, what is going on? Ask him, is he the one or are we supposed to look for another? And Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended of me. In other words, John, you're done. We got, we got, there's other things happening. My, my mind goes straight to that statement that Gene Edwards says and he says, are you willing to trust a God that you don't understand? Or how about this one from a friend of mine in, in, uh, in Georgia? He, he says, a God that you can completely understand is not worthy of your worship. See, it's important to note that James is saying, let endurance have its perfect work. In other words, he's saying, it's possible that endurance doesn't have its perfect work. As a matter of fact, this is probably the majority of people. The, the trial comes and the endurance is not held on to. That's why the letter's written. To bring them to a revelation of what this knowing is that causes you to smile in the face of trial. Praise God. So this is an attempt, James, or you could call him Jacob. It's an attempt to open their eyes to this glorious truth. It's also important to note that the suffering and trial can be unnecessarily increased by the inward disposition that is contrary to trust. In other words, God can send something your way, and because you buck against it, it'll make the thing far worse than it was supposed to be. I remember my friend Dave Papavisi said to me, the pain of obeying God is far worse than the pain of disobeying God. Better just to bow beneath it and say, Lord, whatever you wish, do unto me as you please. Wow. There's a joy in this that is incredible. So without trust and trial, we work ourselves into a wearisome frenzy. And we become, we we, we enter into an anxious dissipation. That's what happens to us. Hence, we need to know what James is talking about. Praise God. So if we continue to abandon ourselves to God, we will be what he calls perfected, complete, and lacking in nothing. That's incredible. What is this being perfected? Whatever it is, 
it is, has such a high value to James that when trial comes, which causes it, makes him smile from ear to ear and say, praise God, the trial has come. <laughs> this is difficult for the human uh, that's still alive. I remember reading, <laughs> I remember reading Finn alone in his letters. He says, if God touches it and it still hurts, it's because it's still alive. <laughs> we live dead. Praise God. So whatever it is, this perfect, complete, lacking nothing, it, it, it turns our jarring into joy. The, the word used for perfected is the same word used in Hebrews, which speaks of Christ's priesthood in a heavenly realm, literally a more perfect sanctuary. So this word is important. It actually points us to a heavenliness. So if you're being perfected, the specifics is he's making you more heavenly upon the earth, more Christ-centered, more eternally minded, more satisfied with God alone. This is the result. Then he goes on and he says this other word, and he says, complete. And this word is also used in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where you see spirit, soul, and body, the whole of the man. So this trial that comes to you, it causes you to have an opportunity to remain abandoned to God when things press against you. And if you will remain abandoned to God when things press against you, it will make you spirit, soul, and body more heavenly upon the earth, and you will lack nothing. That's what I'm pointing at is experiencing Christ as all. Lacking nothing is experiencing Christ as everything. This is the goal of every trial that happens, every temptation, every test, it all has one goal, for you to find that Jesus is everything you ever needed and everything you ever wanted in the first place. Sometimes we just need to be awakened to that reality. So this is the glorious revelation that James seeks to impart to them. To find Christ as all is so valuable that the means by which we come to experience him as all increases our joy. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't it something that makes you say, I want to shift the way I see my life. I want to shift the way I see things and how I've been complaining about things and how I've been upset about things and how I've been rubbed the wrong way about things. And now I want to shift that and say, God wants me through this to see him as everything I need. Because that is, quote, wisdom. As a matter of fact, the context of what he says when he says, if any man lacks wisdom, it's this wisdom. Yes, you can apply it to, if you need wisdom, you can ask God and God will speak to you and give wisdom. But the context is not any kind of wisdom. The context is this specific wisdom. A wisdom that sees everything comes to me to make me find everything in God. And if we lack that wisdom, he says he, says he will give it. And look at this. Specifically, he will give it with, what, what does it say? Without reproach. In other words, he's not gonna hold your past against you. He's gonna give it to you because you asked for it, not because you're good enough or because you've proved yourself. He's gonna give it to you because you asked for it. In other words, it's not, it's not like I will give this special wisdom to those who have proved themselves to me. No, if you ask, he gives it because he's generous like that. 
You say, Eric, I've got a bad past. I, I've missed, I messed up so often. My Christian life has been up and down. It doesn't matter. Ask for this wisdom. He will give it to you. Praise God. And now look at what it says down there in verse uh, 12. It says, um, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he's approved, he received the crown of life. Praise God. And then it says that he's promised to all those who love him. So there's the secret. The secret is love for Jesus. Praise God. As a matter of fact, I'll pull the quote from Mother Vesalia. She says this. She says, whose faith is strong enough to stand up under trial? Whose? Who can endure? Only those who have first love, the hallmark of the early Christians. Reports tell us of the passionate love for Jesus with which they faced martyrdom. It was in fact their first love for him that compelled them to embrace suffering for his sake. The poem I wrote one time that said, even in the crackle of the flame, the martyrs sung of his infinite charms. It's this way of seeing Christ rightly. So this makes us strangers and aliens and sojourners in the earth, dead to the world and all its toys, its idle pomp and fading joys. Praise God. It makes us recognize that the joys of the earth are as inconsistent of, as the earth, but the joy that Christ is is as consistent as Christ is. Praise God. I'm trying to pull us up to recognize that we lack nothing. Can I touch a couple more things here about lacking nothing? It's an incredible statement. There's actually a Hebrew equivalent to lacking in nothing. And you can see it in Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. And it specifically says that God dropped meat down for them. Praise God. He fed them in the wilderness and they, quote, lacked nothing. This shows me something. That trials come to me to help me recognize Christ is my only food. There is no food in this world for me. My food comes from heaven. It's Christ himself. Give us this day our daily bread, Christ himself as our food. And that's what we see, lacking in nothing. Trial comes so that you can see that Jesus is your only food. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 9, the context is testing and discipline and the entrance into the promised land where they lack nothing which shows me trials lead me into Christ, my promised land, to live upon him and to find all in him, praise God. And also it, it, in Psalm 34, verse 10, the scripture says that taste and see that the Lord is good. Then it says those that seek the Lord lack nothing. They lack nothing, which shows me something. Trials are pushing me into a seeking of the Lord that finds him as all and tastes him as all. Praise God. Not just knows here, but tastes. It drops down from the brain to the blood when you experience Christ as all. These things are wonderful to me. It reminds me of a book that I read recently by J.B. Stoney. He's dying on his deathbed and he writes these words or dictates these words. He says, if you were to wake up tomorrow and find that you have nothing and no one, would you still be able to say, Christ is enough for me? You say, Eric, I feel like this is heavy. No, no, no. This is lifting us out from the soil of the earth and taking us up into our bridegroom to find him as everything. That's what Christianity actually is. This is uncomfortable to us as we are sown into this world. But to realize the spirit and the bride, they say, come. That means you're better than anything here. Even the greatest life on this planet pales in comparison to the recognition of God's presence. Praise God. 
Praise God. Oh, man, this moves me. It moves me. J.B. Stoney also has this statement that he likes to say, outside of everything. And he's saying Christians need to learn that the gospel enables them to live outside of everything. And what he means by this statement, outside of everything, is living unlinked to the things of the world. You have them, but they serve you. You have them, but they don't have you. They're here and you are responsible, but they are not the source of joy, peace, fulfillment, satisfaction at all. Loss even loses its losing. When we find Christ is our choosing, praise God. So sometimes I find things like this happen in our lives because there's deep roots of pride. I found this in me, deep roots of pride that I couldn't even see unless this thing uncovers it. As one early writer wrote, Pride needs winter weather to wither it. Pride needs winter weather to wither it. And that's what happens with trials and temptations and pressures as we find Christ as all. Sometimes we think we're so full. Man, I'm so full of God. But listen, a barrel looks like it's full until you knock on it. And then you find out the thing is hollow. Sometimes we just need God to knock on us to see if we're actually as full as we think we are. Pride needs winter weather to wither it. You say, Eric, what is, your, what is your point? Well, I'll recap. What does it mean to experience Christ as all? It means to find Christ to be all your joy, all your peace, all your satisfaction, independent of things that happen in this life. Praise God. How, how do we come to experience Christ as all? Trials. <laughs> and three, what is the secret to experiencing Christ as all. Loving him enough to remain abandoned to him in any weather. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. What do you say? Stand to your feet with me, if you will. The band can roll up here. That'd be great. I hope this is okay for you. It's really something special to me. I'm chewing on it continually. I want to swallow it, and I want to become one with it. Because I want Christ as all. How many of you want Christ as all? Well, the Lord's going to help you. He's going to send people to help you. He's going to send circumstances, situations. Living in this fallen world, you're going to come up against something that's going to show you something about you that you didn't know. And that's going to be your opportunity to smile in the face of trial. Why? Because this is your opportunity to find Christ to be all in a way that any, nothing else could have shown you. So next time the trial comes, or in the trial you're in, look at it and smile and say, hallelujah, the trial is here. Why? Because I get to find Jesus as something that I otherwise would never have found him. Praise God. As Charles Spurgeon said, trials shift the kaleidoscope, if you will. Shift the kaleidoscope so that you can find new combinations of his peerless graces. Praise God. Come on, let's just worship the Lord. What do you say? Father, we worship you. We praise you. We desire your son. We want him above all things. We desire him. Lord, I pray wherever our desires have been rooted in this life, today, by your word, by the, that holy apothecary having its panpharmacon, come and lift us out of the soil of this earth and investment in ourselves and show us that the highest joys are being lifted away from the earth into Christ. We worship you, we praise you. Oh, come on, will you guys just open up your mouth and begin to just, let's just ask the Lord, Lord, do it in me. Do a work right here in me, Lord.
Work in my heart, Lord. Work in my soul. Just ask him right where you are. Lord, do it in me. I praise you. I worship you. No one like you, God. Blessing and honor, glory and power be to your name. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Praise you. Praise you. You are all I want. You are all I need. You're everything. You're everything. You are all I want. You are all I need. You're everything. You're everything. You are all I want. You are all I need. You're everything. You're everything. You are all I want. You are all I need. You're everything. You're everything. I will give you all my I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone, praise you, are worthy of my praise. Sing it again. I will give you Long. 